1: live with you on a Wednesday evening in Rome. Of course, everybody gushes over the grandeur of the sunshine double. Let us not sleep on the Mediterranean double. It's now been expanded to seven rounds over 12 days, just as grueling as the one in the States, maybe even more taxing to pull off. Coming up on the show today, two veteran warriors in the twilight of their careers, renewing a rivalry that started two decades ago, and today's reunion did not disappoint. Sloane Stevens has had another rollercoaster season, but the American seems to be finding her groove as Roland Garros approaches the place she has made the final before. And a 20-year flashback to a memorable day in Tennis Channel history with some familiar faces and some who've made a rather improbable journey in the last 20 years. With that, we welcome you on this Wednesday to Tennis Channel Live. So glad you're with us as we kick into the Italian Open in earnest. That's Paul Anacone hey. waving at you from here in the studio. There is Andy Roddick. Where's Andy Roddick in the home office? There he is over there. Uh, glad you're with us because we're going to start tonight with some breaking news about another combined 1,000-level tournament, and that is in Cincinnati. Reports out of the media there coming out today that options are being considered that would move the Western and Southern Open from Cincinnati to Charlotte, North Carolina. BMOC Sports and Capital, the company owned by Ben Navarro that purchased the Western and Southern Open last year that also operates the tournament in Charleston, South Carolina, made a presentation today before the Economic Development Council of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County in which it was discussed the potential benefits of such a move from Cincinnati to Charlotte, which may include the construction of a brand new $400 million tennis-specific facility. Tennis Channel has learned further that a move is not emphasize not etched in stone and that many cities may be involved in the bidding including one scenario wherein cincinnati keeps the tournament this was the comment today from ford perry who's the coo of bmock capital saying quote there's a lot of work left to do we are evaluating the future of the tournament and we're looking at a lot of options andy i turn to you as a charlotte resident and a former champion of this event what's your first blush reaction to this story
2: it, it, it's tough. Um, obviously, when the, the, the tournament goes up for sale last year, uh, the first thing you think is, okay, well, whoever buys it could entertain moving it. Um, you know, so that, that's a kind of a logical uh, assumption. And if it doesn't happen, fine. Uh, you know, my, my heart goes out to Cincinnati if if, if the tournament does uh, get moved. It's a place that I have fond memories uh, of, of playing, um, you know. But, uh, you know, as, as far as cities go, I'm a bit of a, a Charlotte homer now. Um, and there's certainly an appetite for it. I know there was a, a huge buzz around the city today uh, when this this news broke. Um, you know, I, I think the non-negotiables are you ha- you have to have a great stadium. Uh, hopefully, you can kind of build up something for the city that you end up being in. Um, but there's still some there, there's still some ball to be played here, Brett. I, I I kind of have the same information to you. This is not a done deal, but you know, conversations need to kind of happen quickly. I mean, they're, they're, they're looking at 2026, which seems like it's a little ways away, but that'll come up real quickly if we were talking about building a, uh, a stadium in and in a development that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: Paul, this is a heritage tournament in pro tennis. It goes back to 1899 when it was first uh, founded. They've made immense improvements to the facilities in Cincinnati over the last couple decades. Would be a shame
3: to see it leave. Well, first, I'm glad you didn't ask me if I played in that first summer in 1890. That was what I uh, We have photos of it, <laughs> okay. so we don't need to ask. <laughs> That's perfect. But no, there's a, there's a great heritage. Look, this is a tremendous event. The community in Cincinnati has done such a great job for so many years. Back in the day, Paul Flory, one of the best human beings on the planet, yeah. uh, did an amazing yeah. job for so many years. So it's a tough thing. And look, if I blow the dust off my memory banks and remember how things work at the ATP tour board, which I was on for a number of years, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen still, like Andy said. I'm sure Mr. Ben Navarro, before he purchased the event, knew about all the different permutations that mm-hmm. could take place. But still, there's a lot of moving parts. And for Charlotte, it would be amazing. Uh, for Cincinnati, it would be a heart break, but it will be a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going to be happening in the very near future.
1: Andy's a current resident of Charlotte. I'm a former resident of Cincinnati, and I know how much that tournament means to the fabric of that community. And so on one level, it would be a boon for one city. It would be a huge loss mm-hmm. for another. Uh, we mentioned 1899. That makes the Cincinnati tournament the longest standing pro event in the United States that still played in its city of origin, a a fact that now seems that it is somewhat in jeopardy. So we'll follow the story as it unfolds over the weeks and months, but let's get to some highlights from Rome today. And we will start with Andy Murray, who is coming off a title, albeit a challenger title, beat Tommy Paul in Exxon Provence on Sunday. First challenger title for Muzz since 05. So undoubtedly, Andy, brimming with confidence as he arrived in Rome to take on the native son, Fabio Fonino.
2: Yeah, challenger uh, in name for sure, but uh, the the draw there was tougher than most 250s you'll see. So Andy Murray certainly had the confidence going, but Fabio Fognini was inspired today playing in front of the home crowd as we see uh, his pure strokes. You you don't see him outwardly emotional with positive energy uh, uh, that much. And he kind of kept it together all day today, but in true Murray fashion, you always know he's going to fight. Uh, on the run, he tends to not get to as many balls as he used to, in perfect stride, but still dangerous from the corners uh, with his passing shots. So, you know, it was a bit of a breakfast. Uh, Andy tried to serve it out, as we're seeing here, right at 5 3, and then Fabio gave it right back, missing this rally back in uh, halfway up the net. Well, maybe it was this one, Paul. There it is. Uh, but anyways, you know Andy Murray's going you know to stay there uh, and fight. There was a tale of two sets where no one could hold serve in the second set. And Fogini was great on serve uh, in the third set. I think he lost only like, three points uh, on serve, two of which were in this last game right here. And finishes with the ace. Really, really impressive win for a guy that had only played 11 matches, winning only three coming into this match. Uh, Murray coming in with support form of maybe get
1: win today. All right, so here are some of the numbers from that match. And as you mentioned, Andy, that highlighted line points out that Fabio lost just three points on serve in the final set. He had a mess of unforced errors down the bottom left with 53. But when the rubber met the road, he got his act and his game together. So here's my question, Paul, for, for Andy Murray. He, he grinds through a challenger last week, wins the title. That's got to be very rewarding. We've heard him say that at this point of his career, his motivation is the love of the sport and the love of competition and we all admire that that said are you surprised that at this time of year in challengers and and on tour on clay where it can be more taxing on the
3: body with these long points that he's grinding with as as heavy a schedule as he is not so much based on what he's talking about right how much he loves to compete how much he loves to play the most amazing thing to me looking back at the last ten days is here's a guy that was number one in the world multiple grand slam titles gold medal the guy has been one of the best players that we've seen over the last thirty years and he's playing a challenger and want to play a challenger Mm -hmm. last week, okay? And then he goes there and wins that title. That tells you about, number one, his character and his joy for playing the game. So he just loves to play. I mean, it amazes to me. I still love watching him, and today it was not disappointing. Two two classic talents with a lot of firepower. But Andy Murray's just an interesting interesting guy. Andy Roddick, maybe you tell us, how does a great guy want to play at this stage in his career, a tournament like that last week?
2: Well, I, I admire it, and I was watching the highlights, and the emotion he would show was showing when he would win a match was the same as if he had won a second or third round at Wimbledon, and and that's kind of the, the hallmark of, of Andy Murray. But uh, to your point, Habes, I actually think it's a little bit easier to commit to some tournaments when they do have the spacing that they have in Madrid and Rome now, right? He plugs in the challenger, and then he has the decision, do I play in Rome? Well, I'm probably going to get a Wednesday start. If it doesn't go my way, then I have 10 10 or 12 days to kind of make a decision before I go again. So I actually think it's an easier yes with this spaced out schedule. Uh one match in Madrid, one match, you know, Monte Carlo. And then he played what used to be a full Andy Murray week every week uh at the challenger last week and then had one match this week. So if you look at the cumulative effect of the last month or five weeks, we're talking about six, seven, eight matches, which isn't overloading the body, I don't
1: think. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point with this expanded uh, seven-round Masters 1000, both Madrid and Rome. There is some spacing in between the matches. Uh, by the way, Fonini gets Misha Ketsmanovic in round two. Let's show you some other highlights. Speaking of uh, aging warriors, there's Stan Wawrinka on center court. He made the final of this tournament 15 years ago. Paul, trying to turn back the clock against Ivashko.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's still so much fun to watch Stan play, especially on the clay courts. He had a nice comment uh, and nice commentary with Kosh afterwards saying, yeah, he does like it when it's slow and heavy. This is one of the few guys that can hit through the surface and conditions anyway. Stan Vavrinka did not lose serve. Won 65% of his second serve points. Got off to a nice start in the first set. Again, enjoyed rallies like this. A little bit of a slice dropper to bring Avashka in and how about the forehand pass down the line. When he's in good form, still no one wants to see him. This is a guy that can play himself into great tournament shape very easily. And when you can hit a one-hander like that, do not ever count him out. Just so much fun. Lots of power. Said he felt really, really good about his preparations on the dirt. And it showed today. Just 77 minutes. Lost just six points on his first serve. Just eight points
1: on his second serve. And Stan is into round two. All right, Sloane Stevens also won a title last week. She lifted the trophy at the 125-level event in Saint-Malo, France up from 48 to 36 in the rankings. Good chance to be seated at Roland Garros if she can win a match or two here this week, opening her run, Paul, against Nadia Podorescu.
3: Yeah, look, it's always tough. Look, we talked about Andy stepping down and playing a lower level event. This was a bit of a lower level event that Sloan went to play and win in. That was a great effort for her, got a ton of confidence. And when a terrific player does that and goes back on the court the next week, you wonder what's going to happen. I wondered. I watched Sloan. I saw what she did. I saw the fist pump. I saw her take the momentum from last week, get out on the court, and really play some nice tennis played steady when she needed to, used the big forehand when she needed to, so a lot of positive fist pumps. And when you see Sloan Stevens pumping her fists, having a good time and controlling rallies, it is a thing of beauty to watch. Second set freed up a little bit more, was able to use some of her firepower and continued to use athleticism and just a nice resiliency that comes along with a big win from last week. So a terrific effort from Sloan last week and capped it off again with another win. Won a gaudy
1: 25 out of 26 points on her first serve, and she spoke with Prakash Sloan, you've been looking great. What is working so well for you at the moment on clay?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I had a tough start in Madrid, and I went to St. Malo and got some good matches there, which was really nice, and picked up another title, which is awesome. And just getting comfortable on the clay, is all, it always takes a bit. Obviously, red clay is very different from the clay that we play in the U.S. Um, we play in Hartree, which is like a totally different game, basically. So um, being able to get some matches last week on the clay, the real clay, and then <laughs> coming here um, and getting a win today is really nice.
1: So, Paul, you used to coach Sloan, so I was wondering if you could help us understand, because a lot of us who watch Sloan and, and root for Sloan and, and enjoy her tennis don't understand the fluctuations from the highest highs of winning a title last week, winning a match like this with ease, and then some of the lows that we've seen from her. What, how, do you, how do we help us understand? Look, it's
3: tough to understand, right? I mean, and everybody's person and personality is different. I think Sloan... No, I think she's such an interesting person. And she has said, remember back before, was it after Australia or a couple of years ago, where she told everyone in the press room to calm it's down everything's oh, going to be... Gonna be so I think she knows, she doesn't want to be inconsistent. She knows that there's going to be some ups and downs. And I think now, when Sloan's on the rise like this and has the confidence, that's when everyone else needs to take notice. And I don't think anyone is safe on the women's tour. If she's feeling good, getting some confidence, she is a great athlete. And, look, she doesn't want to be inconsistent. She's always going to try to be better at that. But she has that propensity, so she's just got to deal with it.
1: Andy, she's a U.S. Open champion. She's a Roland Garros runner-up. What do you make of the trajectory of Sloan's career?
2: Uh, well, you know, it's it's a little bit like a heart rate monitor. Um, you know, big peaks and, and, and some valleys tucked in there uh, as well. But I'll tell you one thing. People on tour, they see her starting to win matches. You know, not all challenger winners are the same. Right, you can see someone win a challenge. You're like, okay, that's great, but you know, maybe they got a seven-foot ceiling with their game. Sloane Stevens wins wins a challenger. You're going, oh no, here we go. This could mm-hmm. be the start of a little 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 Sloane run here. So, you know, the, I, I'm sure she would tell you the delta between her her great stuff and her bad stuff is probably as significant as anyone else on the WT tour. But I like what I'm seeing. You win a challenge, you come back, you ease through a first round. It's not one of those grinder five in the thirds. It's a four and one on a muddy day. Uh, She's rolling into form at the right time, Brett.
1: No one saw the U.S. Open title coming from her. No one saw the Roland Garros final coming from her. She plays Vika next. They've made eight times. They've split those eight meetings. Much more to come on TC Live. We'll have more highlights from Rome. Plus, the tennis world seemed to feel the need for speed this past weekend. Returning to Miami, we'll show you who was there back in a moment.
3: Hello and welcome to the Tennis Channel's coverage of the Telecom Italia Masters here in Rome. This, of course, is the fourth of the Masters Series events for 2003, and the second on clay, following Monte Carlo a couple of weeks ago. I'm John Barrett, with me, Jason Goodall. We'll be bringing you all the very best tennis from the show courts,
0: including the very best tennis players in the world in what promises to be a fascinating week's tennis.
3: Jason Goodall and for Doug Adler and for Neil Harmon, I'm John Burr, hoping you've enjoyed our day one coverage and looking forward to your company tomorrow on day two.
1: So so that was 20 years ago this week. That was the first tournament after Fed Cup the Tennis Channel ever showed. That was first round of Rome 2003 we have a few things to unpack here. First of all, when did we have Ron Weasley on staff at Tennis Show? I had no idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, seriously. Chase, I look was at not you. aware that Huff Puff was in the house. Look at Chase. That's
2: unbelievable. That's just... I the- think, uh, I, I- I think you met Ronald Weasley.
1: Ronald <laughs> Weasley with the, yeah. uh, on the back of that split-screen photo. I think he's going to have some things to say. Uh, second thing is uh, you, Mr. Roddick, uh, and this is the question I always come up with when I see that. So, did that hair come with the visor? Was it attached, or did you Gosh. put it on after? How does that work? It was I, – I
2: would do horrible, unspeakable things to have that flow again, Brett. I'll tell you that much right now. But, no, it didn't, it did, it, it didn't come with the visor. It was mine, and little did I know that
1: was peak. <laughs> well, it was a good look, and only you could pull it off. But just in case people don't remember what tennis was like circa 20 years – there's the split screen. I don't know what's under the black baseball cap, but uh, – aside from intelligence, but uh, – that was a good look on the on the right of your screen take a look at the order of play from that day 20 years ago <laughs> in rome these are some of the guys who were on there tim hanman played that day against cory's brother now did you have any idea andy as the five c that the guy you were playing that day would end up being the ceo of the atp tour uh
2: at that moment i gotta say that no i would have had no idea. <laughs> I, I remember that, that, I was I was ready for a nine o'clock start uh against someone that I knew I, I wasn't gonna get much crowd support that night. I was I I I'm pretty sure I was positive of that.
1: So you, you won that match. Do you remember what happened in the second round, just out of curiosity?
2: Did I lose to Verkirk before he went on his run at Roland Garros?
1: Very good memory. You lost to Martin Verkirk and uh three weeks later he would be in the final of Roland Garros. And you would have been at that Hemmen yep. match, I'm guessing. Uh close, maybe, somewhere? That was a year prior. That was a year. Oh, so that was between P. Six months, seven months prior, yeah. Oh, the memories. Do we have any? Uh, hopefully, when we go to break, we'll have another picture of Goodall. But uh, <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> let us uh, get into some business here. Uh, if you've been watching, you know that we've been doing the uh, Chanda picks every day as she becomes the uh, queen of prognostication in our place. She's now batting 675 for the season, 27 wow. up, 13 down. She correctly picked Alcaraz over Struff in the Madrid final last week. So, uh, Chanda. Even though she's not here today, has submitted her pick by phone for tomorrow in Rome. And she is taking the underdog, Mackie McDonald, plus 128 against homestanding Marco Cecchinato, who is minus 150. So Cecchinato, about a 58% favorite. They've played once before. That was two years ago. And Mackie actually won that match. You can see it on Bally's at 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Quick reminder that right now, FanDuel is giving all new users 10 times your first bet in bonus bets up to $200. Win or lose, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now and start making every moment more. Still more to come on our program. It's been a sluggish start to the year for American Brandon Nakashima. Is this the week that he kicks things into gear? We'll show you his opener in Rome, plus the other Americans on court today. TC Live, back in a moment. Back on Live, and a reminder that the Grand Slam excitement from the Red Clay in Paris is almost upon us. Tennis Channel will once again have exclusive daily live coverage of Roland Garros. Don't miss any of the action beginning Sunday, May 28th, 5 a.m. Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. We go back to the highlights from Rome, checking in on the Americans. Taylor Townsend qualified for the main draw, played her main draw opener today against Iseline Bonaventure of Belgium. Taylor would drop the first. Wound up trailing 5-3 in the third, but buckled down from there would rattle off the final four games to steal this lefty-on-lefty lefty match, get into the second round. Third tour-level singles win of the year for Taylor, who broke serve seven times in the match. She will face fellow American Jesse Pagula in the second round. So from there, Andy, we never know what we're gonna get with Alexander Bublik. What did we get today against Pedro Martinez?
2: The master of the confusion and conquer Matt, the right here, Brett. First of <laughs> the highlight. I, listen, some days it looks weird, some days it looks awesome, but it's always entertaining. And he had the crowd in his pocket today. Uh, makes fun of himself on clay all the time, but when you can hit a forehand inside in like that, that surface agnostic it doesn't matter that works everywhere and look at the fight in not something we say all the time but look at that little dropper uh, just saying Martinez tries to serve the setup doesn't quite get their Bublik in full grind mode Uh, being loud being emotional I love the energy early in the day. Oro Italico, and you're always going to get some drop shots. Not the best overhead you'll ever see here from <laughs> Martinez. But either way, Boob moving on, and he says, Look at me, everyone, I did it.
1: He says, I entertain myself and that's all that matters. Here's Brandon Nakashima battling injuries this year. So just three wins so far took on Gregoire Barrera.
3: Yeah, he struggled and he's had a rough to go of it with his knee. Hasn't gotten any momentum. Played the challenger last week, got a bye and lost in that first match that he played in the second round. And is a tough out. Did a nice job from the back of the court, kind of pushing Brandon around. He was the one that got the break early on, controlling the tempo of the rallies from the back of the court, again holding uh, serves so well. Brandon never got a a break point, which is a Mm. bit surprising. Nakashima really good at pressuring second serves, wasn't able to today, and Barrera just felt comfortable, looked comfortable, and I think you summed it up, Brett, you know, Brendan just hasn't gotten a ton of match reps. He needs to get into a tournament, needs to get some matches under his belt, but most importantly, needs to stay healthy. Three and six on the year now. Barrera plays Hatchinoff next. Here are some
1: other scores involving Americans. Katie Volleynets took the first set off of Kirstea but lost in three. Claire Liu, opposite notch to comeback win over the Italian wild card. Rosatello, Lauren Davis, and Marcos Giron fall in straights. With that, it is time for the Social Net, what people are doing on social media on this Wednesday, six weeks after the Tennis World left Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, a lot of tennis players were back for the F1 race over the weekend. That's the whole Federer game. Paul, is it possible that the Federer girls are almost, are they 14 now?
3: I can't believe that's Myla and Charlene. They are all grown up and uh, Leo and uh, Lenny there with mom and dad. i tell you what, it is a happy family. And yes, those uh, girls are grown up. And I think Roger and Mirka are having a good time with their life and they deserve it.
1: Apparently, if you're a Grand Slam champion, you get uh, pit lane passes to the Miami race. Obviously, Roger. I think that's George Russell from uh, Mercedes. That's Lewis Hamilton's teammate. Who? Del Potro was there. Apparently, it's the U.S. Open Champions Club. Andy, why weren't you there?
2: Um, I, I, I think it's because I was awkwardly not invited, Brett. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think. I think uh, I think I think my favorite game when you see any of these covers is like spot the godsick. It's like where's Waldo? Yeah, he's he right in right the there. Yeah, yeah. right there, <laughs> yeah. and then he's in the corner. Like so, any any of these press opportunities for uh, for Roger, I always play spot the godsick. That That's actually how my college experience
1: went, also in, in New
2: Hampshire. Yeah, Andy, I just wanted to ask you, A-
3: Andy, does Delpo look like he's getting ready to the U.S. Open in the photo that we saw in here? What are you What are you sensing? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I, I, I the, the stops and the starts. I I, 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 dropped a tear for him when he laid his bandana over the. I den- know, man. You meet both. So- I don't know. I don't know if I have the mental capacity to do it all over again, Paul.
1: <laughs> it, it's tough to say goodbye. It's really tough to say goodbye twice, but we would like to see him one more time. Just a reminder of how you can keep tabs on the action in Rome tomorrow, Thursday, day three of the tournament. Tennis Channel coverage begins 5 a.m. Eastern. Bally's and T2 pick things up with a separate slate of matches beginning at 8 a.m. We'll be back with another edition of TC Live at 5 p.m. and then on-court coverage throughout the evening and overnight. We'll be back with more. back on Tennis Channel, and since we were showing all the U.S. Open champions at the F1 race, we might as well show the one that was in the crowd in Rome today. That was Fabio Panetta, wife of Fabio Fanini, but more importantly, 2015 U.S. Open champion. Her husband's about to turn 36. That's their son Federico, Paul.
3: Yeah, and a beautiful uh, family and a beautiful evening, and Fabio got the W, got a little family time done. It's not over. I love that.
1: All right. uh, Featured matches for tomorrow in Rome. We've got 5 a.m. start for you. Episode number nine of Vika and Sloan for all as we arrive at tomorrow. All-American showdown between Taylor Townsend and Jesse Pagula. And the nightcap between a couple of Aussie Open champs, Sonia Kennan. And this year's winner, Arena Sabalenka. Our team on the ground, Danny Kluppinger and Prakash Amitraj have a preview.
3: All right, Brett, back at our fan duel desk. P, we've
2: got the Madrid champ starting her campaign here in Rona Re- Arena Sabalenka taking on the American, Sophia
0: Kennan. Can the Americans slow down this red-hot Sabalenka? Uh,
1: I think it's as tough a task as you're going to get. I mean, these are two players who are on completely different sides of the spectrum right now. Sophia Kennan really trying to find her way back to good tennis. She managed to squeeze out that win in the first round. Wasn't, wasn't great tennis, a ton of unforced errors. What I would like to see from Sofia to have a shot against, you know, the hottest player on the tour at the moment is really pick up that body language and, and try to cut down the unforced errors. But I think she's going to have to hold her chin up high, not get down on herself if she's going to have any shot at competing out there. Would love to see it. And perhaps with no pressure on her, this is the moment where she can find some great tennis.
0: And Hoping for drier action here on the grounds yeah. on Thursday. Mother Nature, please cooperate.
1: Okay, we hope so, too. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to preview a couple of key matches, starting with Coco Gauff, who gets the crafty Yulia Seva tomorrow. Paul, Coco has not won back-to-back matches since Indian Wells. The forehand has been an issue. We know about the problems with the serve. Give us a status report. Is there any uh, cause for concern at this stage with Coco?
3: Not for me. I mean, I I just view it as a tennis player's journey. And a young tennis player at that, I think that she's a great player, she's a great athlete, has a tremendous head, and has stuff to work on in her game. And I just think she's got to get on a roll. I'd love to see her work on some of that technical stuff that we've talked about her forehand a bit. Second serve's gotten better, which was an issue. Um, So I'm not concerned at all. That doesn't mean she's not... Uh, got stuff to work on because uh, our friend that's uh, in the window behind us will tell you that no matter how good you are, you got stuff to work on.
1: All right, they've met twice before. Coco and Putin Seva. Coco's won both meetings, including one in Rome two years ago. Andy, on the men's side, American J.J. Wolf tomorrow against Canton Alice of France. J.J. has only won three tour-level matches on clay, but, but does he have the game to be a dangerous dude on the surface?
2: Well, he's an athlete first and foremost, right? Uh, You know, he's going to be able to move about the court now. Uh, I don't think he actually has the option of changing his game up too much. It's not as if he's going to kick his first serve in and then retreat five steps behind the baseline. He's still going to come forward. And a lot of times that works against the guys that like the rhythm, that like to go back, that like to create rallies. So uh, if I'm J.J. Wolf, he's one of the rare ones where I say, yeah, don't actually change much. You have to get forward. That's still your best chance of winning matches, even on this surface.
1: And uh, Ugo Granier has been placed as the lucky loser, replacing Canton Elise, who is injured. So those matches, part of our coverage, 5 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. That's going to do it for this edition of TC Live, for Danny and Prakash, for Paul and Andy, and for our best pal, Ron Weasley, (laughs) from 20 years ago. I'm Brett. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you for day three from Rome tomorrow.